We had our swim before sundown, and while we were cooking our supper, the oblique rays of light made a dazzling glare on the white sand about us. The translucent red ball itself sank behind the brown stretches of cornfield as we sat down to eat. The warm layer of air that had rested over the water in our clean sandbar grew fresher and smelled of the rank ironweed and sunflowers growing on the flatter shore. The river was brown and sluggish, like any other of the half-dozen streams of water the Nebraska cornlands. On one shore was an irregular line of bald clay bluffs where a few scrub oaks with thick trunks and flat twisted tops threw light shadows on the long grass. The western shore was low and level, with cornfields that stretched to the skyline. And all along the water's edge were little sandy coves and beaches where slim cottonwoods and willow saplings flickered. The turbulence of the river in springtime discouraged Millen, and beyond keeping the old red bridge in repair, the busy farmers did not concern themselves with the stream, so the Sandtown boys were left in undisputed possession. In the autumn we hunted quail through the miles of stubble and fodder land along the flat shore, and after the winter skating season was over and the ice had gone out, the spring freshets and flooded bottoms gave us our great excitement of the year. The channel was never the same for two successive seasons. Every spring the swollen stream undermined a bluff to the east, or bid out a few acres of cornfield to the west and whirled the soil away to deposit it in spummy mudbanks somewhere else. When the water fell low in midsummer, new sandbars were thus exposed to dry and whiten in the August sun. Sometimes these were banked so firmly that the fury of the next freshet failed to unseat them. The little willow seedlings emerged triumphantly from the yellow froth, broke into spring leaf, shot up into summer growth, and with their mesh of roots bound together the moist sand beneath them against the batterings of another April. Here and there a cottonwood soon glittered among them, quivering in the low current of the air that, even on breathless days when the dust hung like smoke above the wagon road, trembled along the face of the water. It was on such an island in the third summer of its yellow-green that we built our watch-fire, not in the thicket of dancing willow wands but on the level terrace of fine sand which had been added that spring, a little new bit of world, beautifully ridged with ripple marks and sown with the tiny skeletons of turtles and fish all as white and dry as if they'd been expertly cured. We'd been careful not to mar the freshness of the place, although we often swam to it on summer evenings and lay on the sand to rest. This was our last watch-fire of the year, and there were reasons why I should remember it better than any of the others. The next week the other boys were to file back to their old places in the Sandtown High School, but I was to go up to the Divide to teach my first country school in the Norwegian district, I was already homesick at the thought of quitting the boys with whom I'd always played, of leaving the river and going up into the windy plain that was all windmills and cornfields and big pastures, where there was nothing willful or unmanageable in the landscape. No new islands, and no chance of unfamiliar birds such as...